We're in. Gwen Frey. It's not just me yes. and you. Again. Yet again, we find ourselves with somebody else here on the line. Would you like to introduce our guest, Gwen Frey? All right. Chris Light, I'll introduce our guest. This is Alan Hazelden. Hey, Alan. Hi there. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Life's good. Um, yeah, you are you are calling in today from Australia, right? Is that That's right? right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a game Dude. developer traveling the world because uh, living in one place is overrated. Hell yeah. I follow you on Twitter. You're one of the... Uh, do you have a permanent address? Because every time I see you, you spend a month in like a different place. Yeah, so according to the UK government, I live at my parents' house in Bristol. Uh, <laughs> okay. But no, I don't have a permanent home. Uh, I haven't been for the last four years. Four years? You've been just traveling the world for four years? That's right. Jeez, dude. I didn't realize it was that extreme. That's insane. So you've just... Uh, I, I don't know where to begin with that. You move almost every month, it looks like, right? Yeah, it varies. Well, I, I try and stay in one place for like three months at a time. Um, but then sometimes I'll be somewhere and then a month later there's a game dev event somewhere else. And I'm like, well, I don't want to just not go to that when I could go to that. Um, and that's how you... like. So like, I did this and I was like, oh yeah, well, I like traveling. I... Uh, like going to game dev events internationally. I like seeing friends internationally. So uh, what if I just didn't have a home? Because it's like it's hard to justify doing that much traveling while you're paying rent back home. Mm -hmm. So okay, well I'll just not have a home and travel all the time, and then I'll get bored of that and settle down. But it turns out it's a lot of work to settle down somewhere once you're not settled. So it's just easier <laughs> I mean, it's to be... keep doing this indefinitely until I die. You could just, I feel like that can't be true. I feel like at some point you could just be like, no, nah, I'm good here. Cause I mean, it's work. Every time you move from one place to another, you gotta like figure out where you're physically gonna like sleep and stuff, right? Yeah, so... that, and that, that is the worst part of it is working out all the accommodation stuff and travel planning. Yeah, and like, um, Figuring out where you're gonna eat, like where your groceries. I guess you don't cook anymore, right? Like you just no, eat I, all the time. Doesn't I'll, that... I'll like rent a place for like a few months, and then I'll live there, and it's like I'm living there, and I'll get groceries, like a normal person. Um, otherwise, it would be way too expensive. Like the reason I can justify doing it is because it's not actually any more expensive than living in a big city. Um, like average out really? over the year. Well, a big city. Yeah, yeah like I, guess I, I, I spend less going to various places in the world, spending more on travel, but I spend less on accommodation than I would if I was in London, for example. Um, oh, London. And like sometimes I'll find cheap sublets because I'm staying at a friend's place because they're out of town for a few weeks. Um, so it, it balances out pretty cheap. Hmm. How are you, so with no sort of permanent base how are you funding this endeavor okay so i guess that comes back to the other side of who i am which is yes, yes. i'm a, a nomad uh but also i make video games um and my my plan like five years ago was i would quit my job and make games until i run out of money and somehow i haven't run out of money and i still don't exactly know how that happened um, so I because were you like independently wealthy when you started or like uh, or no I had a couple of years of savings, um, but 
I think I have more savings now than when I started, which that's not Jeez. how it works. Um, no, not usually. But I mean, this is the way the world is going. Teams are distributed. I guess there's no reason not to move around like this. Though I would say, like, is it how how do you work with your teams when you're you? I assume at least at certain points in different time zones from everybody else, but you always seem to have a team that you're collaborating with. Yeah, I so imagine they don't move around the world with you, right? No, um, we talk mostly over Skype uh, and Slack. Um, mostly Slack these days, and uh, to a certain degree, we make projects where we know what we're making most of the time. Um, so that's less true on the current project, yeah. but like the last couple of games. We have had a prototype extremely early on, and then we have, it's been fairly obvious what the next step is at every stage. Um, we're not making some kind of um, immersive sim where like anything could go wrong and you don't really know what it will look like as a whole until you've got all these different pieces done. It's like, oh, we've got this puzzle prototype and now we're just gonna make that look better and we'll be able to make more levels and... I see, it makes a, it does make a lot more sense because you make puzzle games and I'll, I'll say like if you, when I'm working on a game where, uh, there's a lot of games where like your animator and your programmer need to work really closely, for instance, if you're doing like a fighting game and there's games where people really need to collaborate the entire time. Whereas I guess for puzzle games, is this something where you come up with a prototype, you kind of figure a lot of it out, maybe you, you get help from a programmer early on and then you, when it comes time to make it real, you kind of pull the team together, so you kind of all ge like gel in a vision. Is that how uh, you kind of do it? That would make sense. That's not really how we like <laughs> uh, the last few commercial games uh, we've made uh, have been putting a small team together and then working out what we want to make and then making something. But we've still had a very early prototype because so um, I guess some more context. I I make. Thinky puzzle games about spatial reasoning. Um, so the last few mm. I made were, well, my commercial games are Soccer Bond, which is a chemistry puzzle game. Uh, a Good Snowman is Hard to Build, which is a game about being a monster and making snowmen. And uh, Cosmic Express, which is a game about planning the train route for the world's most awkward space colony. And they're all um, grid-based games about moving around in a space and trying to get things from A to B um, and all of those games had a prototype in like less than 48 hours. Um, do you, uh, so you're, you live in like a totally different world for me. Like you, uh, <laughs> and I, I love it. You like, uh, do you do a lot of game jams? Is that how you come up with your, your prototypes? Yeah. Historically, stuff? yes. Um, and now a lot of these games aren't coming out of game, game jams per se, but they're coming out of like a game jam type prototyping period um, where mm -hmm. um, we'll go, oh, what are some ideas we're interested in playing around with? Um, and then I'll play around with those. And uh, so I, I use a tool called PuzzleScript um, for prototyping, yeah. which like if you're going to make a game quickly, like for me, puzzle script is like the easiest thing to make a game in. And it's not going to look pretty. All the sprites are limited to being five by five pixel images. Um, but in terms of tweaking the gameplay, 
it's super quick to iterate on things. And so I can basically do a little private game jam on an idea and have something playable pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, it helps yeah, that I... I've, I've not made anything other than puzzle games for the last five years. So like I've got very much into a, a routine. I know how to make that kind of game. And I've made like dozens of small puzzle games in that time. So it's kind of this thing where if you told me to make anything else, it would be bad. But uh, I, can, I can make this one very specific type of thing <laughs> very quickly. Oh, I love it, though. I love the, the community you've built up around it, you and Steve Lavelle and, and everything you guys are doing. It's like discovering you guys was really cool as somebody who uh, like, I, I don't know how to put it like it, it was it was like finding treasure. I, I loved finding out about Puzzle <laughs> Script and what you guys have been up to. It's cool. Um, and seeing all these like these little ideas, these design prototypes, just the loads of them that are coming out every day. Like, well, somebody on your Discord was making a game a day for a month or something, right? Oh, more um, than that. Or, um, he yeah. was making one puzzle skip to game a day for 87 days. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and like, wow. that, that sounds ridiculous. And then you play them and they're all so good. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, like he he has like there's one game like if you if if you go and find this guy which you definitely should if you're listening to this uh, the name is to search for is Rosden Shadow uh, and if you just play one of those eighty seven games play the <laughs> game called Islands which is better than some of the games I've made and he made it in less than twenty four hours or like maybe yeah. like slightly more but like yeah it's Ah, oh, he's he's incredibly talented. Yeah, I like this is the indiest thing I've ever seen found. Like these tiny games where, and I love the puzzle script games because they are like literally. Let's just not even think about art. We're just not even gonna think about it. You're you're constrained. You can't think about it. You get these this like five by five pixel uh, per puzzle piece. Make a game with it. And yeah, I, I dude, the, what you guys are doing is super cool. I just adore it. Um, and I think it's it's a brilliant that you do that and then you take your prototypes and you turn them into kind of like commercial products. Like, I, I think that's a really uh, cool idea. But it sounds like, so what you do now, um, uh, to loop back to this, for your current project, you didn't start out with that. You got a team together first and then you were like, yo guys, what do you want to make? And then you jammed with them or something? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so all of our commercial games um, have come out of, like, we want to make something um, let's get a small team together and then we'll discuss the kind of ideas we're interested in exploring um, and then um, we'll see what comes out. So A Good Snowman uh, was a game I started like four or five years ago and that came out of me and another guy. We were living in the city and we we're basically the only game developers there so we were co-working once a week and we we're like oh like, we're both done with a project, let's do a small game jam, we'll make a Christmassy game. And so we were like there and we were talking about ideas and we made this snowman game. Um, Cosmic Express yeah. was, uh, we, I think we, we wanted to pitch to Stugan. Um, so like basically I wanted an excuse to go to Stugan. So um, me and Ben, who I made snowman with, uh, we were like, okay, well let's find 
an artist who we can work with. Um, he, he did all the art in Snowman, by the way. He did all the programming and all the art. And I only got away with asking him to do that because it was a, a quick game jam game uh, that was meant to take a week. And it took a year and a half. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> uh, so I tricked him into doing the programming and the art for that game. And uh, he, he didn't want to do that. So we were like, OK, we'll, we'll get the two of us and we'll find an artist and we'll pitch to Stugan. And then we didn't get into Stugan, but we're like, well, we still want to make a game. Um, and so we were throwing around ideas. Some of them were like based on prototypes that I'd already made for past game jams. And we liked the train game. So we're like, oh, what if we did this, but we set it in space so we could have cute aliens? <laughs> Yeah. So, but neither of these started out as puzzle script games then, because I, I always thought when I I played a good snowman is hard to build, and I uh, we were talking about it on your Discord at one point, we were like, how could you like the theme fits so perfectly with the puzzles? I wasn't sure what came first, the theme or the puzzles. Yeah, sounds like it was the theme. No, yeah. So, so snowman, we came up with the theme, and then I was like, okay, well, what would look, that look like as a puzzle script game? And then I prototyped mm. that in puzzle script. And then we're like, okay, well that works, so let's make the game around that concept, around that gameplay. Um, so we're basically implementing the game twice, once in Puzzle Script, and then once in um, that was in Hacks. Uh, Cosmic Express. Oh, weird. With Wait, Hacks? Like that's like a uh, an alternate programming language thing, right? Yeah. So Hacks and OpenFL, which is kind of like Flash which is what hmm. I was using before. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, Weird. OK, cool. And then Cosmic Express was the you're... other way around, where we had the prototype that I made for a game jam. At the time, it was just a game jam game. And we're like, oh, we like this, so let's just turn that into a proper game. And the current game, we're doing it the other way around again, where we had a team. We were throwing around ideas about what kind of things we were interested in. And then we prototyped stuff and then came across an idea. All right. So another here's another reason why you particularly fascinate me. Uh, I have never worked in mobile, and oh. I have this idea in my head because I come from AAA and stuff that indies should never go to mobile. Like to me, it's terrifying <laughs> because when I think, like when I think mobile, I think of like uh, my friends who work at EA and stuff and how they like. Uh, you know, you make a game and then they spend a couple, I don't know, million dollars trying it in New Zealand, tweaking the on-ramp, the marketing team makes sure the funnel is as tight as possible. You get your, like, you got your three-letter acronyms, you get your ARPU, whatever the fuck, down so that, people, you know, your funnel's perfect. And, uh, like, the whole mobile market is so around, is based around free-to-play. And to me, that, like, entering that is terrifying. Like, you'll never beat, you'll never come up against the juggernaut that is, um like yay and these these massive king these massive mobile companies uh and i know there are indies that do it logically but i nobody in my universe does that right like everybody i know that's indie is indie in the console space pc space right so but you you do you make uh puzzle games primarily for for mobile right uh yeah so the some of these games have started as like, oh yeah, we should make this targeting mobile first. And some of them have been, we should do this targeting PC and then we'll port to mobile. Um, mm -hmm. Premium mobile games, are, are they're weird, but they're not really competing with free-to-play. Um, so being an indie premium game designer, 
on mobile is is kind of simpler than that. Like it's the steps are: you make a game, you tell Apple about it, you release it, you cross your fingers and hope that Apple feature you. Uh, and if they do, then you'll make a bunch of money. I mean, not like a bunch, a bunch of money, but like you'll make enough to hopefully sustain yourself for the period of time you made it in. Um, and if Apple don't feature you, you'll make nothing, uh, which is kind of like Steam, uh, future segue. Uh, but they're actually doing a decent job of featuring games and like curating stuff. Um, like mm -hmm. obviously, it could be better. There are only a certain number of games that they have the pipeline to feature, but like they do a pretty good job in comparison to other alternatives. Um, do you feel like it's fair, or do you feel like some people just have friends at Apple? And uh, like, what is the process for asking for your game to get featured? Like, I, I don't have any friends at Apple. I can't really tell if it's fair because they featured us, and so I'm biased. Um, so I'm sure like there are other people who have stories of like, oh, I made a good game, and then I released it on mobile, and then nobody bought it. Um, I like that. Mm -hmm. That story is legitimate too. Um, for me, yeah, I had enough connections that I could talk to somebody who told me some the email, and then I emailed that person at Apple, and they forwarded me to the correct person to talk to at Apple, and then, uh, I yeah, like the process doesn't have a lot of um, transparency. Uh, like you will be talking to somebody, you'll tell them when you're. Uh, plan to launch. If you're really lucky, Apple will then go. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't release that day. Have you considered this day instead? And you listen to them. Um, but if you're, yeah. if you don't get that, then you just pick a day and you cross your fingers, um, and then you release, and then you find out whether or not they cared. Uh, so there's there's very little transparency. Uh, like they'll they'll also like send you an email saying, hey, we need these additional assets if we're going to feature you. But like, it's very much a, yeah, but this doesn't guarantee anything. Like, we could ask this from you, and then, yeah, we're not going to use it. We don't care. Uh, uh, is there any alternative? Like, if you launch on Apple and you're, you're game pancakes, can you go to, like, Google Play or one of these other? Have you, isn't, I, I heard uh, mobile also is, is terrible because you got to, like, Get your game working on a, a billion different kinds of phones, right? Yeah, I mean, so especially I'm, with Google. I'm more positive about Android than a lot of people. I mean, I've been saying Apple throughout this conversation rather than Google um, because they are a, they do a better job of curation in my experience. Um, yeah. But at the same time, some people I've chatted to have said that Android does better for them. Uh, there was a blog post from Bart Bonte who is a game designer uh, and also runs a blog highlighting uh, interesting small games. Um, and his games do better on Google. And the impression I got talking to him was that Google's algorithmic featuring and recommendation system is better than Apple's. Um, but Google basically doesn't seem to have a my impression is that Google doesn't seem to have a, uh, a a individual curator system. Like 
humans are not really looking at those games and suggesting those games. Um, uh, but so on Android, you have to support more devices and more screen resolutions, but that's not so bad if you code your game to be flexible in how it's rendering stuff. Like it's gonna be a real pain if you're like hard coding screen sizes or anything. Um, but if you're planning ahead for that stuff, it's not too bad. And then in terms of income, Google makes less money for us than Apple, but it's like, it's maybe 20% of Apple, which is not nothing. Um, and I, so for all our mobile games, we've released them simultaneous on Apple and Google. And mm -hmm. that might not be the best financial strategy, but it's hard to tell. Like, so there's like theories and rumors that if you are releasing on Android at the same time, then Apple won't give you as good featuring or they're less likely to feature you. I don't know how much that's true and how much that's just like a rumor that they are happy not to quell. Um, mm. Because obviously it's in their interest for you not to release on Google. Uh, it's in their interest for, yeah. for iOS to be the place you play games on and for Android yeah. to be this desert. It's also in their interest if the game is on both for them to feature it. Um, if the game is only on Apple, they don't have to feature it because the only place people could get it would be through an Apple device. Whereas if it's on both, they might as well feature it on the Apple phone so that people buy it there instead of a Google device. But in the end of the day, who has two? Who has both an iPhone and an Android? Right. Like, who has? That seems silly to me. Um, yeah, I and mean, I don't think it's that really the way they think but who knows and it's for me i release on both simultaneously not because i've determined that it makes financial sense although i think that if you do that your sales on google are going to be higher because the second wave of publicity you get for releasing on android is never going to be as big as a combined release mm. uh, but the reason i do it is because it just doesn't seem fair to players like, I don't, I don't like the idea that, oh, you've, you've got this type of phone rather than that type of phone. Oh, you can't play my game yet. Sorry. I'll say, um, Forrest, my uh, uh, co-founder of the Molasses Flood, he was a big believer in uh, rolling launches for console titles. Um, and the reason is you get press every time you launch on a new platform. And, that'll, and it just extends the amount of time that you're in the press. So, like, say you launch on... Uh, Steam, and then three months later, you you maybe make a new trailer and you launch uh, like a small teaser trailer, and you launch on the Xbox. Um, then you get featured in the press, like oh, this game just came to the Xbox. Here's a trailer, and then then you know you get eyeballs, and you end, end up getting uh, purchases across all platforms. And then you launch on the PS4, and you do the same thing, and so you can kind of get into the press a couple times. But I mean, again, I live in a world where we try to get the press to talk about us because like we're not going to get featured by apple like steam isn't gonna out of the goodness of their hearts just put us on like a, a banner right like you got to get your own press if you're going to be on steam or on um if you have an exclusivity deal with the console i guess you could uh or some kind of deal with microsoft or sony you might be able to get featured but most likely in the console space you kind of got to have buzz already you kind of got to get press and marketing ahead of time um yeah i think that uh that logic makes sense um, like I, I subscribe to that opinion that like more releases is better. I just don't think it holds for 
the iOS to Android jump. I don't think that is yeah. something that you get more publicity for. But um, like Cosmic Express, we launched on PC and mobile same day, and like I can't look at numbers and go, oh, that was a bad decision. Um, but it's not something that I'm actively planning to do for this game um, because I think yes. releasing on one and then the other, it's it feels more likely to be a good idea. Oh yeah, I mean, there's definitely a perception in the market that if a game is like on Steam, if you were a mobile game, they're like, oh, this is a port of a mobile game. You know, it's. I feel like of people who play on mobile don't care or think that they're necessarily casual. They don't care if a game came to Steam first, but the consumers in Steam uh, stick up their noses at mobile games, assume that they're not quality. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. There's a, yeah, there's a clear perception in the marketplace in that way. Um, and I mean, it, it's because mo historically most games that come from mobile were really short, kind of disappointing experiences. I don't think that's true anymore. Um, and I think gaming while on the go, I mean, the Switch has really changed the shape of the conversation a lot. People want these games while they're traveling and stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess we could start talking about storefronts. Uh, did you did you have any particular storefronts in mind? I don't, I don't know. We were talking about Steam, Alan. You want to? Uh, oh boy. So, um, Chris, like, how much do you know about what's been going on with Steam, man? Um, well, you specifically told me not to look because <laughs> you asked if I knew about it and I was like, no. And then you said, oh, good. Don't look at all. So I think maybe something flew by. So I have a very vague idea. So it seems like, um, cause something just popped up in my timeline. It might've been Rami talking about it, but, um, something like they're giving, uh, they're giving more money to big publishers than they are anyone else. Like they're, they're taking less money from them or something like that. And I'm guessing maybe, and this is a complete guess from the one tweet I saw to quite try and uh, quell the amount of launches people are making themselves. But I don't know. That That is all I know. So please uh, fill in the many gaps. Absolutely. Sure, man. Uh, so, like, what it comes down to, you, people can speculate as to why, mm. which you you have to because it's fun to speculate yeah. as to why. Uh, but if so, so, you know how like when you launch your game on Steam or any storefront, they take a percentage, usually thirty percent, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean. We all know behind the scenes, sometimes massive publishers probably get that percentage down across most of these, right? Like Call of Duty probably has never paid 30% to Steam, but we don't, you don't know that for sure. We can't see their details. So you don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but Steam just kind of published a thing at end of day on Friday, I think, hoping it would fly under the radar that says, yeah, we're just going to make it official. If you make more than 50 million, you only pay 20% royalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, this is the topic of conversation, right? Because at the end of the day, the truth is, Steam can do this. If you are, if you're EA or Activision or Ubisoft, if you have the ability to just 
go to a different storefront. I mean, we've been seeing um, Fortnite isn't on Steam. Yeah. It's on Epic's storefront. And a lot of the Blizzard has never put a game on, on Steam. They always have their own storefront. And um, it's a real possibility that these big publishers could. So that that's an, a valid uh, rumor that you heard. Big publishers could easily put their games on, other, on their own bespoke storefront. And I think maybe it's hard to say exactly what pushed this. I think we all know a lot of storefronts are coming out like there's new storefronts rolling out over the next two years yeah there's no question there like the 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 rumor mill is pretty intense but there's quite a number of storefronts coming out over the next two years and i think and we've already seen one launch with discord we saw cartridge come out neither of those are really taken off but the reality is steam has competition now and so steam had to do something to keep these uh these larger companies from taking off Mm. because like if call of duty was just on the Discord store, then gamers might be fine with that. Most gamers are already using Discord, right? Yeah. And if Call of Duty is on Discord and not on Steam, then that is a problem for Valve. Uh, so Valve went ahead and they said, "All right, if you're making over fifty million on your game, we're going to cut it this. We're cutting your royalty down to twenty percent." Gotcha. And indies are furious because they're like, it would have taken almost no effort to just lower it to twenty percent across the board. Why didn't you do that? And the reality is there's obvious reasons why they didn't yeah. do that. We have no leverage. Like, we yeah. can't roll our own storefront. We, uh, If, like, if Alan was went to Discord and he was like, yo, I got this game, a good snowman is hard to build. What if I pull it off of Steam and put it on Discord? Discord would be like, nah, we're good. Um, these new, a lot of the new storefronts are, we've all been begging for curated storefronts. Um, Discord is a curated storefront, but that means, like, a lot of us won't get into it, and a lot of people that can get into it are the, the bigger, bigger games, right? Yeah, I, so, I, so people seem really angry about this, and I, I'm not fully sure why. So if you can, hmm, Alan, you want to bring the rage here, man? Yeah. So it basically comes down to small developers have been telling Steam, like, I guess increasingly, but particularly over the last year, particularly over the last six months, um, that Steam is doing a really bad job of providing visibility. Like, part of Mm. the pitch of Steam is, um, sell your game on here, uh, we'll take 30%, but we will expose your your game to thousands, millions of players. Um, And until, like, 2015, that was a very good deal. And uh, if you had a game on Steam, you, you would be guaranteed like a certain number of eyeballs. Like you wouldn't necessarily be like swimming in money, but most games that released until that, like 2015 is kind of the, the cutoff I have in my head. Um, until then, if you released on a game on Steam, you would make a certain amount of money as like a minimum. Mm. And then they had uh, Greenlight, and then they had just open submissions. And I like both of those things. I'm glad that more people get to have access to this market, but Steam hasn't been ramping up their, uh, their interest in curating those works. Mm. 
so it, it's really hard to get your game discovered on Steam. Uh, the other thing is, like, you have to understand, like, uh, it, I think you take for granted, I say 30 percentage, and you're like, that sounds like a percentage. But think about most storefronts out there take 5%. Not games, but in, like, other ways. Like, other goods. I don't know, digital 5%. goods. Digital goods, yes. yeah. Like, and 30% was something that was set, like, back... I mean, I'm not sure if this is true, but like brick and mortar stores or like uh, the 30% is common on the Xbox and the PS3 uh, back in the day because they were selling those consoles at a loss and they recouped it through um, making a percentage in the games. And also there was just so much more overhead through going through cert. Like when you launch a game on a console, Microsoft and Sony are putting some effort in. Yes. Not just to curate, but also to make sure it doesn't crash the console. They do a lot of QA. They... they there's overhead for them, zero overhead for Steam. And Steam makes loads of money. Like Gabe's Newell's bragged about it, like that they make more money per person than any other software company. And I and good for Valve. Like they did a good thing um, back in the day. But there is like there's been yeah a lot of indies have been like, why are you taking thirty percent? I can't, I'm eating tuna. I'm living out of my basement. You're you're making. You're taking thirty percent of my money, and you're and I'm getting nothing from it. I'm, I have to do all the marketing. I have to do all the work. Why don't I just sell this through, through my own storefront? Some people have been doing that. Like uh, we said this before, Cliff yeah. Harris. Cliff Ski did a blog recently about how he's been selling his game through his storefront. So there's been um, people have been talking for a while about uh, what is an alternative to Steam. Maybe we could get around it, but no indie will jump because no. Like itch exists, for instance. Remember when we were trolling through itch.io? Yeah, looking for all on the games. Itch, yeah, on itch they they're barely profitable, but they take eight percent. Is that right, Alan? Like on uh, they average? take eight percent on average. Um, so on itch you can choose as a developer what percentage of your game sales go to itch, uh, and you can set that anywhere from zero percent to a hundred percent. And I think the average over all transactions is they get about 8%. Um, and then there was another statistic they released recently, which is like of all transactions, about 20% the developers chosen to give itch a 0%. So like they're kind of letting themselves be exploited a bit, but they're doing that because they don't like the idea that somebody will be selling games on itch who, who needs that money more than itch does. Um, and it's like a really, uh, it's a really uh, impressive stance to take and really empathetic stance to take to say, oh yeah, like we need money to make this service sustainable, but we're not going to do that at the cost of small creators who need to eat. Yeah. And so something, if the big, the problem is nobody knows about itch. They don't. Yeah. Itch doesn't advertise, and and you can go on there and be like, this is good for developers. You can get some indie gamers maybe to go to itch, but you'll not get the massive number of people that you have on Steam. The way you get the massive number of people is itch would need to have the funding to go to Call of Duty or one of these big games and be like, yo, I'll pay you to be exclusive on my platform, which is what everybody does, right? Like, yeah, I mean that would be interesting for itch. If they were like, oh yeah, we'll find a, a small AAA game, uh, we'll, we'll like find some way of getting some money so that this game will only be available on Itch. Like, that would be fascinating. It will never happen, but 
God. That's, I mean, this is how, this is the classic, how you make a storefront. This is like Sony and Microsoft right now are throwing money at um, the exclusives, right? For their, their new consoles. All the new storefronts will be doing this because that's how you how you make a storefront hot. You get the, the killer app, the game everybody wants, um, and you make it exclusive on your storefront for a bit. And so, yeah, I, I would argue if Itch was serious about taking over, they would... I mean, if I was them, I would pick an indie that's famous. Like, it would have... It can't be Campo Santos. They work <laughs> for Steam now. But, you know, like um, like a, a big deal indie. I would have picked... If I was them, I would pick one of the bigger deal indies and I would have uh, thrown that... Scraped together all the money they have and just throw it at that indie. Even that may not be good enough. Honestly, nothing will beat like a Call of Duty exclusive... Like Halo on Microsoft or... Um, uncharted on sony you know like you need that big exclusive to push your storefront yeah but also it just doesn't have that. i don't know if itch is interested in doing that like obviously if it happens they'd be happy but like growth doesn't seem to be their primary aim like they would rather just have like they're happy just being the place you get go to get small indie games um and the place you go to yeah. get jam games. Well, like it feels warm and fuzzy, but I can't eat warm and mm-hmm. fuzzy. You know, like it would be. It's nice that they're super nice and stuff, but it would be nicer if they put the put the screws to Valve. Like at some point, you gotta play dirty to to win, right? Uh, on the, in this market, which I'm not, I'm not worried about. In all seriousness. Discord is making a slow and steady grab for it. Um, it looks like Cartridge came out and kind of disappeared, like in a weekend or something. I haven't seen anything about that. Never yeah, I've got a game on Cartridge, and uh, yeah. Oh, you did. Uh, did not sell many copies yet. Yeah, well, we'll see about that one. That Cartridge was new to, news to me too, Chris. Yeah, it's like it's uh, news to me right now. Like I, <laughs> I have not heard of it. So that one's Discord from I'm aware of because I use Discord. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that's from Congregate, if cartridge. Um, so um. the Flash Games portal uh, decided, oh, you know what people want is a the downloadable game store. Um, but even even though like as a Flash game portal, they they have slash had like millions of users. Mm. I I don't think they had a good plan. I don't know if they had any plan for translating those users into customers of this storefront. Yeah. Huh. Mm. I mean, Discord, I haven't... It's the tab that I click off of every time I actually go into my <laughs> Discord. Like, it pops up and it's like, there's this. I'm like, good to know. And I click on something else. I even apparently um, have I'm... free games because I have Discord Nitro and it keeps trying to tell me that and I haven't... I don't know. That one hasn't grabbed me yet. Again, it's because there's nothing there that I haven't already played or got or done somewhere else. They have new games there, though, like they? Bad North and stuff. Maybe I just haven't yeah. even looked. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, in all in all seriousness, they yeah, I'm just lazy. They, uh, they didn't put any big games on there. Is the thing they went too indie too fast. I think the consumers in Discord didn't want. Like you use Discord because you want an app to chat with. Yeah. You, you weren't looking for like another storefront, so I don't think like the consumers were kind of upset that their slick, very small chat app exploded into a storefront against their will. Whereas I think it would be a lot easier for Blizzard, for 
you know, Fortnite, Epic to, to make a storefront out of their stuff. I think that's uh, that's going to be where we see the growth. Maybe someday Origin will pick up. I don't know why Origin is so bad. I don't know what it is about Origin that every time... So every time I have to interact with Battle.net, I have no problems whatsoever. Every time I have to interact with Origin or Uplay, I'm annoyed. And oh I can't even God, explain yeah. why. I, ju- I, I, I just go, oh, God, don't. Now, you know what? I don't want to play The Sims. Forget it. Like, I'll, t- I'll just I'll play something it's else. Like you, you're like weak tea version of Steam. Yeah. Like, uh, mm. I don't know. But I don't, but I I don't mean, know why. Like, why is, why is Battle.net so fine and unobtrusive and not a problem for me? And Origin is. Can't explain it. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm thirsty for these new storefronts, man. Like as a developer, I, uh, I, I'm so I'm making kind, right? Like I'm making a kind of bright, colorful game, mm. and I know I can look at the market that's on Steam, and I, uh, like, I know, I'm a I'm a person that uses Steam. I love Steam, and I I don't mean to be really anti-Valve because I, I actually also really like Valve a lot for the most part. But I'm looking a lot of the reasons why I'm I'm kind of in a negative mood right now is because like I'd. I think if you're making a systemic game, if you're making a darker, grittier game, your Steam is perfect for you. And I think there's a lot of games that didn't do super well on Steam, but did incredibly well on the Switch. And I think it's proved that there is a market out there for people. There's like a market that Steam is not hitting. Um, and I yeah. want one of these storefronts to come out and hit that market because I think that bright, colorful, the kinds of people that play Nintendo games, I want to find those people. I want to, I want to, I want to see what market is there. I feel like we're missing something. I also think um, that Steam has itself demonstrated that they are capable of serving other niches. Like, um, wasn't there at some point like this surge of visual novels on Steam? There was actually. I remember and, like, that. That's a that's a genre you wouldn't expect to do well on Steam, but um, at some point there was this critical mass of games that fit this space, and then like players who are interested in that kind of game were like, oh yeah, I'll go to Steam and I'll play those games. And so like they've demonstrated that this is possible to happen, but then they don't seem to care about making efforts to make it happen again for other genres. Hmm. What are the genres you think um, are, are missing? I mean... You're... You're way more into the niche stuff than me, by the way. So. I mean, I'm into the specific niche of puzzle games. Um, <laughs> anything else, I'm not. You, you own it, Alan. Well, well thanks. I mean, so obviously, I, from a, from a uh, personal point of view, I would love it if Steam was, like, I mean, no, I would love it if Itch was a new place to go to buy puzzle games and they sold as well as anything else does on Steam. Um, mm. uh, but, like, I, I would be fine if, like, all of a sudden, there was this massive community of puzzle game players on Steam, and like I knew if I released a puzzle game there, I would, oh yeah, I'll probably do okay. Uh, but like pretty much any genre, like if even even if but like even with visual novels, like maybe if you release a visual novel on Steam in 2018, 2019, there's a chance it'll do okay. But like that's not the the public image that Steam has. Um, no, I was curious because you did you, every when you were talking about that visual novel stuff. You guys were talking in the past tense. Did that go away? I don't know. 
It might not have, but I definitely do recall a time, as Alan was saying, where it was suddenly... There was suddenly a lot of them. And it could have just been a following a trend that, as you say, there was a lot released. And also there was a few... Like even just recently with that Doki Doki Literature Club, that that came into the gaming consciousness and Dream Daddies. And there was a few that kind of got quite big. And it felt like that was as you say, represented. Honestly, I think that's the more likely scenario. So I, there's definitely, um, there's always waves of popularity. Like in the 90s, there was a wave when RTSs were huge and then they died down for a while. And then um, in the beginning of the indie, like the big indie becoming a thing time, there was a wave of uh, platformers, right? Um, and now platformers, and then there was too many platformers and now nobody really wants to make 2d platformers anymore there hasn't been like a high profile sexy indie platformer uh am i lying yeah uh, there's always yeah. some but the last inside yeah but it's it's not like it, it, it's not as popular and exciting to the market as it used to be i guess like the market goes through phases where they're really into different genres and so i think what the most likely scenario would be that um a a handful or one really big grid-based puzzle game comes out and then grid-based puzzle games are popular mm-hmm. for a bit and then it follows the same kind of arc and then people get tired of them and then they go away. I would say that's the, like, these things kind of come in waves. I would say that's the best case scenario for getting, like, the kinds of game, puzzle script style games onto Steam. Though I wish it wouldn't. Like, I, I wish you were right and that it would just be like, all of a sudden, itch was huge specifically with grid-based puzzle games. I just don't see a path to that like that glorious world yeah no i i just... i agree there's probably not a way of making that happen mm-hmm. um so i i guess i want to go back a bit to like linking these two things we've discussed of like oh visibility on steam is is bad and then these um changes to the revenue model yeah. which is like uh the reason that people are angry about this change is because people have been telling steam no like get your shit together like you're not you're you're you're, you have this self-image within valve of like oh yeah we do a great job of like raising visibility for these indie titles and like developers have been telling them no like good games are releasing constantly and flopping on steam and like if if you're going to not fix your visibility then you should stop taking 30% because you're not, if, if a large part of your argument for why you deserve 30% is that you're offering access to this large market and most games that release on Steam don't actually get seen by that large market, then don't, like you, your case that you deserve that much of a cut um, when you could, like it, it, the argument is not strong, and the financial argument is that it would cost Steam nothing, basically, to say, oh, if you make under this cutoff, then we'll only take 10%. Like, that would make zero difference to their bottom line. Um, but for small creators, that difference between 30% and 10% would be like, oh, I can I can live off this now. Or, mm. oh, I... I, I, I couldn't pay my bills before and now this extra money means like I'm, I'm a certain level of successful. Like 
that that money is like pocket change to Valve, but to small creators, it's like a lifeline. It's true. I mean, I suppose it depends. Because that would be a positive and a philanthropic move on the part of Valve, but I suppose it's just them, as you say, clearly communicating that that's not something they're interested in. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's no financial argument that Valve should do it, except that uh, my, my argument is um, if they don't do that, then inevitably people will move elsewhere over time. Like, not immediately, like yeah. short term, there's no argument for it. But long term, I think it's their best shot at retaining relevance over the next five years. Yeah, I mean, that seems oh, there's to be... No, oh, sorry, there's no compat There's nowhere to move, man. There's not like yet. nowhere to move. I'm, uh, not yet, but I, think I mean... There will be, but... Yeah. There must be a reason. Ahead, there must be a reason that they are cutting better deals with these larger companies. I mean, again, we're all speculating and we don't know, but I mean, if they held all the cards as they do with smaller creators, if they held all the cards with, say, an Activision or fucking EA, not the EA are on there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> if they held all the cards, they wouldn't have to go. Okay, you can have more money. They would say, "You take what you get because we're the king." work well you I, i'll tell you in the next two years a couple of new storefronts are spinning up yeah and new storefronts will pay a lot of money to get exclusives for their storefronts for the, exactly the reasons i outlined and so yeah and if you're and what you want to make a new storefront sexy and hot is that halo you want the big exclusive and if the next call of duty the next it won't be halo obviously but like if think of a game like halo if the next game like that, um, if all the games that are big and sexy like that are all of a sudden not on Steam, mm. then Valve is in, Valve has a problem. So, because I think what's happening is the market put, the market gave a lot of the big publishers another option, and a lot of money, to not be on Steam, and the big publishers went to Steam and said, "Yo, dog, I'm not putting my catalog on your." platform anymore and enough people did that all at once to spook valve mm. and i think the next two years are gonna be very interesting well as we see this happen also i mean it's no secret like none of this is secret new consoles are coming new companies are rolling out subscription services we know this yeah um, very true very big yeah. companies I, I, as well yeah so the big and the big players are right now doing this and it just hasn't trickled down to the to the indies and stuff yet i and i think maybe it will i don't know it's hard to say the future is really scary right now we might enter a world very soon where uh the i think this is just like i'm spinning this off the top of my head right here but in all seriousness i think we're, it's going to be an interesting time in the future for indie publishers and for publishers because i suspect if a lot of these subscription services and stuff take off it's going to be them talking directly to game developers um, locking down long-term contracts and such mm. and squeezing publishers out of the conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens in the near future. I think people forget yeah. how how quickly things happen on the internet if you look at the long term. Like, you look at the history of the internet, it is a history of companies seeming to be massive and unaffordable 
and then just disappearing. Um, mm -hmm. Like Yahoo, MySpace, um, like, like in 10 years time, we're not all going to be on Facebook, probably. Mm. Like, like Facebook will either be um, MySpace or it will be Amazon where it's like everything. Yeah. Like, like that's those are the two directions companies go, and obviously they all want to go to the the successful. Oh, we're we're evil and monolithic and controlling everything, but they can't. They they have little control over whether that happens or whether they disappear into obscurity. And the same will happen with Steam. Like either Steam will disappear, or it will become even bigger and even more. Uh, unnegotiable with. It's hard, yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard to say the future right now because we don't know. Um, I I mean, so far the the storefronts that have launched have been Discord and Cartridge, and neither of them have taken off really well. But a lot there's just a lot of new storefronts coming out. So it could be that Steam reigns supreme. I mean, at the end of the day, like when I think of the competitors to Steam in the market right now, I'm looking at like. Like Humble, they still rely on Steam keys, don't they? Yeah. In order to survive. Like Humble, like, if you're if you're trying to download a game from their servers, that's not a fun experience. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. I always go and, Steam key on the <laughs> on Humble. I just I personally straight up dislike GOG. I feel like that's where you put your game if you want it to be pirated immediately. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, so like Gog? negative time to pirating. Gog, yeah. I was selling soccer bombs through there, and like we made like some thousands of dollars. Um, I think four digits, not five. Um, and then like they they did not care about promoting that game, even when it was on sale. It made basically nothing, and I just took it off there. Like it was not worth. Like oh god, Gog, you had to invoice them every quarter for them to pay oh, you. Oh Jesus. god, that's right. Oh my god, that's uh, not even like, like that don't was, get me started. <sighs> that was Sorry, not worth ahead. it. So it's like, just like, no, no, take take my game off your store. I like you're not making me enough money to be worth this. Yeah. GOG's not even worth the worst for that. I just mm. realized I can't complain about absolutely everybody. But yeah, GOG was up there. It, having you shouldn't have to invoice somebody. Jesus. Preferably not. Sorry. I, I, it's whatever you have to ask to be paid do you know what it's like to spend like half an hour putting together the paperwork to ask for like two hundred dollars and you're and you're doing the cost benefit analysis here and you're like technically this is worth my time i guess but i have to do this over and over this is terrible yeah i don't know i don't like i don't care for gg very much hmm. but hmm we have talked for a bit. Do you think this should, should we wrap it up here, gentlemen? Sounds about right. I mean, the future is uh, undecided, but I mean, that steam, I mean, that whole thing definitely seems to be signaling something's on the horizon at the very least. Mm. Interesting times. Indeed. Thank you for yeah. joining us, Alan. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Uh, where can people find out more about you and get your games? Uh, yeah, so Steve. you can find me on draknek.itch.io and at draknek on Twitter, that's D-R-A-K-N-E-K. -E 
Um, yeah. Uh, find me there. Yeah. Awesome. And join his, di- join oh, his yeah. Discord. It's find, linked in his Twitter. I love that Discord. Find my Thinky Puzzle Games Discord if you make or play Thinky Puzzle Games. <laughs> Thinky Puzzle Games. Why can't you just call it grid-based? Do you make green games uh, that aren't there grid-based? Are, there are, I don't, but there are games which fall in that category that are not grid-based. Um, hmm. So, like, I can't just call them puzzle games because then people think it's, like, Tetris. Um, <laughs> and so thinky is the the descriptive word that I feel best generalizes across the kind of games I'm talking about without being I overly just, specific. I don't feel like... I guess, man. I I think spatial... <laughs> like, thinky You should rename your games. Discord, and here's why. <laughs> I'm not going to... You're in fray. Well... Listen, we need to talk about your branding. Yeah, I mean, we do. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Dracknack, a.k.a. Alan Hazelden. It was great chatting with you. Great. Thanks. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.